Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Another round of applause for everybody who helped us in our worship this morning. We are in our sermon series, almost done. We are getting towards the end. Galatians. Freedom from sin is found in Jesus. And another way of stating the overall main purpose of the book of Galatians would be to say, a defense of God's grace. That's one of the things that we spoke on in our 289 class this morning. Ask the question one word. What's one word that defines the gospel in its entirety, or the best word? And that would be grace, the gift given freely that leads to salvation because of the work of Jesus Christ, our faith in what He has done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to be able to gather together this morning. And as we gather, gather together, I want to be involved in a church. We want to be a church that encourages one another in your good news, your gospel message. I pray that we can do that with each other for the purpose of doing that with those who have yet to come to know you. Use Villa's Grace Church as a body of believers who make followers of Jesus, who make followers of Jesus. Allow us to Focus our attention centrally on discipleship. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. For those of you who own dogs, you would understand the importance of a leash. Now, we have a neighbor who I think she understands the importance of a leash, but that's only because the dog walks her. She doesn't walk the dog. I'm sure we've all run across that before. But let's face it, that is the intentions of a puppy. When you first put a dog on a leash for the first time that they have that leash around them, what is it that they want to do? They want to rebel. They want to resist their owner and their owner's guidance, trying to guide them to where they need to be. Church, this is just like us. Just like us prior to us coming to know Jesus. However, over time and with just a little bit of training, the dog will allow their master to guide them with the leash, to let them know where it is that they need to be going. Brothers and sisters, this should be us, especially as we are guided by the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Now, a dog who is truly in sync with his master, though. He has no need for a leash because that dog will be guided simply by listening to his master's commands. Ideally, this should be us. We should all allow the Lord's voice to be our guide towards him. And when we allow the Lord to guide us via the Holy Spirit living within us, we are growing in Jesus. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. That title is this, 
walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit. We're going to be in the book of Galatians like we have been these last few months. We're going to be in chapter 5. In fact, today we are wrapping up chapter 5 with verses 16 through 26. But let's not forget about last week. Last week we were encouraged in what it means to truly be free because true freedom in Jesus is to lovingly serve one another. Ultimately, this is how we fulfill the law, is by serving each other. And we do this by loving God and loving others alike. And at this point, we need to understand that this is paramount because the destruction of any local church comes from within. It doesn't come from the outside. The destruction comes from within. And we know that this is true because the internal destruction always bears sinful bite marks because after all sheep do bite today we're going to be reminded of who our guide is what his purpose is for guiding us and what happens when we both ignore and accept his guidance just like a dog who doesn't need a leash because he listens to his master's voice so let us let us Listen to his voice with our ears here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. As we put these 11 verses into one sentence, it looks like this. Step by step, the Holy Spirit guides us towards Jesus as we produce fruit along the way. Step by step, the Holy Spirit guides us toward Jesus as we produce fruit along the way. Now, as we all live in Fort Myers, we all know that Thomas Edison had a connection to beautiful southwest Florida. So with that being said, we'll use this light bulb as an example. Now, we all know that a light bulb gives off light, but only after an unseen current travels through it. See, the bulb alone does not give off the light. 
However, it's when the bulb receives the unseen current that both the bulb and the current together generate the light. Church, we should be able to relate to this as Christians because we are like the light bulb. And the unseen current is like the Holy Spirit flowing through and guiding us toward Jesus. And we see precisely this in verses 16, 17, and 18. And right out the gate, what does Paul say? He says, walk by the Spirit. First, just a side note. Whenever you see a capital S on Spirit in your Bible, what that means is that Spirit that is being talked about is, in fact, the Holy Spirit. It's an indication that the Spirit mentioned is Him. Part of the Trinity. So walk by the Spirit. Just like you walked in here this morning. You know, two right feet at a time and left legs. That's how some of us walk in here. But no, that's not what's being said. See, we should walk in here one step at a time. And therefore, we walk by the Spirit one step at a time. A time. Walk with the Spirit step by step in sync one at a time. And by so doing, we will not, as it says here, gratify the desires of the flesh. The word gratify means to give pleasure to or to satisfy. So we won't be satisfying or giving pleasure to our flesh if we walk by the Spirit. So This is so important for us to understand. And do you know why? Does anyone here know why this is so important for us? The the answer to this question is in verse 17. Verse 17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Because when we walk with the Spirit, our flesh has a natural tendency to rebel. Just like a puppy first getting leashed. But in a matter of time, that puppy grows to know his master and then learns to listen to his master's guidance. Therefore, we do not solely walk by the Spirit to keep our lustful desires in check. No, that's not why we're walking by the Spirit. Just so you can keep your lustful desires in check. That is not the reason why. We are walking by the Spirit to not avoid doing certain things or to make sure that we don't do this or just do that. Brothers and sisters, we walk by the Spirit for one simple reason. The whole purpose of why we're being told to walk by the Spirit is for us to grow in Jesus. That's part of our no, grow, go. After all, God transforms us from the inside out. He doesn't transform us from the outside in. See, the flesh cares about what looks and feels good on the outside. Whereas the spirit cares about what looks good and feels good to God on the inside because that is where the Holy Spirit resides. And I hope that you are encouraged by this. I also hope you do not think that this promotes a passive surrender. See, when we walk by the Spirit, we are really embracing ourselves 
for a life of conflict. And when you embrace yourself for a life of conflict, you're not being passive. After all, what does it say again? The desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. The Lord will use conflict in your life to grow you in Him. Just like we observed last week, our old nature or our old self will remain with us until Jesus returns. So with all of this being said, how do we walk by the Spirit and embrace this conflict? If we're being told to walk by the Spirit, but then we know that it's for us to embrace conflict in order to grow in Jesus, how do we do this? See, it's like anything else with the gospel. It's actually really simple in theory. Not always easy to live out in practice, but it's simple. It's as simple as this. Don't shoot the Lord's enemies with the devil's bullets. That's how simple it is. See, the flesh cannot do what the Spirit can. Augustine said it best when he prayed this, and this is, a, this is a really good prayer for all of us to pray. He prayed, Lord, deliver me from that evil man, myself. Church, when you are aware of your flesh, and when you pray prayers like that, you are caught red-handed doing exactly as the title of our sermon says. You're caught red-handed walking by the Spirit. See, really what you're doing is you're allowing that unseen current, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit specifically here in our text, who flows through us, lighting us up to guide us toward Jesus for the purpose of growing in Him. And here we are at our first point this morning. Our first point states this. Walk by the Spirit so that you may grow in Jesus. Walk by the Spirit so that you may grow in Jesus. Yes, walking by the Spirit is purposed for growth. Yes, walking by the Spirit will open your eyes to the conflict before you. We embrace conflict in order to grow. Again, our main idea this morning, step by step, the Holy Spirit guides us toward Jesus as we produce fruit along the way. I believe it's safe to say most people their main priority in life is the pursuit of happiness. It's for them to find happiness. And after all, our very own Declaration of Independence states as much when it writes. I'm going to read just this one little short snippet from our Declaration of Independence. It says, They are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. However, we, we must recognize something. See, the pursuit of happiness 
is elusive. No matter how dedicated we are in our pursuit of happiness, it will elude us each and every time. In fact, Ian Barclay says it best when he says this, happiness is not a biblical word at all. It is derived from the root to happen. Clearly, what happens to us will affect our happiness. So let's observe a biblical word that is oftentimes confused with happiness. And that word is joy. Let's take joy as an example, and especially since it's a fruit of the Spirit. See, joy is the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within us, and there is something that sets joy apart from happiness. No matter what happens to us, whether it is good, whether it is bad or indifferent, joy cannot be affected. Joy is not dependent upon your current circumstances. Rather, it is dependent upon God within us. Therefore, we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit to produce joy for us, no matter what. And Paul addresses more fruit of the Spirit in verses 19 through 23. As we look at these verses, we understand there is no disputing the works of the flesh. I think he does a pretty good job of detailing the works of the flesh. In fact, we know that this is true because in verse 19, it declares that they are evident. He even says it himself. Works of the flesh are evident, which means they are visible. They're on full display for all to see. See, works of the flesh is what the world thinks brings about happiness in one's life. However, as we know, happiness is elusive. We also know that happiness gets confused with joy, which is actually truly a fruit of the Spirit. So in verses 21 and 22, we see the list. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these all of which are on full display, observed through the moral decay of our country. That's right. Our country is morally bankrupt. How do our political leaders compare to this list? Does their agenda rest upon works of the flesh? Morally speaking, our country wouldn't be in moral decay if they didn't. Brothers and sisters, can, can you not see, for one of the first times in our history, our short history as a nation, the veil's been removed. We should be encouraged by that. God has removed the veil from the corruption. Now, these two verses reveal four categories of sin. They reveal lust, idolatry, witchcraft, temperament, appetite. I can guarantee one thing, though. All these sins 
lead to happiness that is elusive, that just when you think you catch happiness, it fleets you and then you have to go chase after it again. However, they do not lead to life, life eternal. And they surely do not lead to liberty. And they most definitely do not lead to joy. These works of the flesh are on the outside, attempting to work their way in, which is precisely why God transforms us from the inside out in order for us to produce fruit of the Spirit, which in verse 22 is clearly stated. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This fruit can be produced only through a rooted abiding. And that abiding is within us in our heart. He is the Holy Spirit. The works of the flesh are not rooted, which is why they produce no fruit, thereby making happiness elusive. However, the fruit of the Spirit is rooted by the Holy Spirit within us. So no matter your circumstance, you can love. No matter your circumstance, you can find joy. You can have peace. You can have patience, kindness. You can have goodness in your life no matter what it is that you're currently going through and display faithfulness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control no matter what. Do you know why that this is true? Because when we don't pursue happiness and we walk by the Spirit pursuing spiritual fruit, we can find joy because our desire is to grow in Jesus. And remember, the Lord will use conflict in your life to grow you in Him. And when we produce joy, we understand the difference between joy and happiness or what it is that we think makes us happy. And this brings us to our second point. Pursue fruit that's rooted, not happiness that's elusive. Pursue fruit that's rooted, not happiness that's elusive. Again, our main idea, step by step, the Holy Spirit guides us toward Jesus as we produce fruit along the way. As Christians, we understand that this image depicts what's actually going on within us. This is what's actually going on spiritually within each and every one of us. Our sinful desires are clashing with the Holy Spirit within. Now, if we take an honest self-evaluation, we'll realize that sometimes we give in to our sinfulness, don't we? I think we're all guilty of doing as much However, it's not about battling our sinfulness. It's not what this is about. As much as it is about our attitude towards our sinfulness. So what is your attitude about your sinfulness? We're not talking about your sin. We're not talking about your sins. We're talking about your sinfulness. And those of us that went through the 289, we understand that we are an inherently sinful people. That's why we need Jesus. 
See, it's one's attitude about sin that separates a Christian from a non-Christian. A Christian seeks peace through repentance, whereas a non-Christian is oblivious to the conflict. Because a non-Christian is oblivious to their sinfulness. So as we observe in Galatians this morning that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, we understand that as Christians it should be our desire to peacefully resolve conflict through admitting and repenting our sin. And we're encouraged to do as much in verses 24 through 26. And as we observe 24, I really appreciated the words of Spurgeon. He said, and I quote, A crucified Christ is a crucified leader of a crucified people. So what this really indicates for us is that the main objective of a Christian is death to their sin. We can look at it this way. Though the war has been won, the battle continues on. Remember, our victory has been secured. Our victory has been secured. We are free in Christ to know that no one can strip us of our eternal life. No one can strip us of our salvation. The battle's been won. Our victory has been secured. However, maybe somebody you know personally, somebody maybe who you love, maybe their victory has yet to be secured. You can be confident in the security in your victory that was achieved through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but maybe you just know somebody who has yet to have their victory secured, which is why it's all the more important that we live by the Spirit as it says. Which is why it's all the more important that we keep in step with the Spirit. Because when others see the fruit of the Spirit being produced in us despite our circumstances, and especially when our circumstances seem dire, and all because... We've chosen the fruit of the Spirit over our personal happiness at that particular moment when they see our circumstances. They see us pursuing a fruit of the Spirit like joy instead of our own happiness. At that particular moment, you might be the only Bible they are currently reading. Brothers and sisters, please be encouraged by this. The battle between your flesh and the Spirit might be raging onward, but when we live by the Spirit and when we keep in step with the Spirit, we reveal to others the victory that can only be found in Jesus. There is no personal victory. It's elusive. So as Mike joins me, we must heed the warning in verse 26. Paul tells us, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. It's the pursuit of happiness that leads to a conceited attitude. 
It's the pursuit of happiness that leads us to provoking one another. It's the pursuit of happiness that leads us to envy one another. Church, we need to move from rebels on a leash to being obedient to our master's voice. Therefore, no longer needing that leash. We need to allow the unseen current that's the Holy Spirit to flow through us, generating light, guiding us toward Jesus. We need to let the fruit of the Spirit be what others see despite our circumstances, especially as we know that victory has already been achieved despite the battle that rages on inwardly. It's simple. If we pursue the fruit of the Spirit, we're pursuing growth in Jesus. And when we desire to grow in Jesus, our external circumstances all of a sudden don't seem that important. The Lord will take whatever it is to grow you. We know this. Some of the toughest times in our lives have brought about the most tremendous amount of growth. Happiness is elusive. The battle wages, rages on, but our victory, despite that old nature, that sinfulness, the victory is secure. And this brings us to our third and final point this morning. Allow God to use your inward battle to display his victory to others. It's not your victory. It's his victory. Allow God to use your inward battle to display his victory to others. Simply repent, repent, repent. Mike encouraged us as much this morning. We are to repent. We are to turn away from our sin and back towards God. Again, our first point this morning stated, walk by the Spirit so that you may grow in Jesus. Our second point, pursue fruit that's rooted, not happiness that's elusive. And finally, once again, our main idea this morning Step by step, the Holy Spirit guides us toward Jesus as we pursue, produce fruit along the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us learn how to better repent each and every day. Help us encourage each other in the gospel, the good news. Thank you for your grace that leads to our faith in the work of Jesus. Allow us to be a body of believers that can represent just that, no matter what. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.